0: Welcome to today's energy show. It's my pleasure to welcome Paula Mintz, one of the solar industry's best-known market researchers. She started solar market research a little while ago, back in 1997, with Strategies Unlimited. And then she served as the director in Navigant's solar energy practice. She started a new company called SPV research in 2012, and she's continuing to do her primary research on the supply and demand in the worldwide solar PV industry. So welcome to the show, Paula.
1: Barry, thank you very much. First of all, I was one of many directors at Navigant, and I don't I don't want them coming after me after this uh, after this airs, so please, one of many. Also, it's SPV Market Research. All
0: right. Well, I'm just going to call you the director, and then i will we'll right. go from I'll there. You, how and about can, the Queen? Call uh, me the Queen. Okay, the Queen Director. That okay. works. All right. I feel like okay. That. So, um, well, tell us a little bit more about um, SPV Market Research.
1: Well, as you pointed out, SPV Market Research actually had its had its genesis in Strategies Unlimited. Strategies began researching solar, the solar industry specifically, PV—that's photovoltaic technologies—back in the 1970s. I joined Strategies in 1997, and honestly, from the time I went to Navigant, my evil little plot was to start my own business. And so, uh, in 2012, end of 2012, the timing was right. Boom! I entered the market a, 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 along with a bunch of other people analyzing solar, but not with my history. And that's really the genesis. I, I always want—I have a vision for market research, and I'm also very passionate about the solar industry, as you probably know. As we know each other. So that's really it.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's good timing to come into the market. It was The market was a little soft, but then it's just been on a, a tear since 2012. And, and certainly you've been on the solar coaster going back to 97 yeah. with the ups and downs in the solar industry. You focus on PV panels. What about things like um, inverters, uh, solar thermal, racking systems, energy storage, et cetera? Is, is that a target of some of your research?
1: Well, actually, I'm watching everything and observing everything through You know, research all the way from raw materials, that's the polysilicon or the thin film materials, through to the end user. So it's not just the module. However, the business side of all of the industry, including sales of modules to the first buyers, such as yourself occasionally, or installations – electricity, the end user, the size of the industry is the semiconductor technology, which is the module. So it starts from that. But no, I'm looking at all of it. I'm watching all of it. I'm a busy girl. Seven days a week, I never sleep.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. So so, um, who are some of the clients that you're working with?
1: I really can't tell you that. But (laughs) I mean, that is confidential. Just as the people I survey, I need to keep their information confidential. But in, in general, it's universities, uh, government labs, governments, uh, government agencies. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, down to, I would say, other cons- – well, I'm not a consulting company. I'm a market researcher. I mean, as you well know, I'm prickly about that term. But large consulting companies will sometimes partner with me, uh, Let's see. It's a variety, you know, soup to nuts, manufacturers of modules. Not that they're all that many anymore in the United States, but I am a global analyst. So many globally, manufacturers of the technology, of the modules, inverter manufacturers, you know, just you name it.
0: Well, the market research is, is just so useful for um, companies in the value chain with their manufacturers or their installers like Cinnamon Solar just to kind of get an idea of where the market's evolving so that they can be prepared for changes. But you focus not on ordinary market research but what you call primary market research. So so what's the difference between primary and then, you know, what you could by implication call secondary research? <laughs>
1: Okay, so I focus on primary, which is ordinary market research. Is really market research. Secondary research, in my humble, you know, sort of prickly opinion, is not market research. Well, either. let's not call <laughs> let's
0: not call what you do ordinary. Let's say there's primary market research, and then there's everybody else who's ordinary.
1: I don't know that everybody else is ordinary, but primary research means I have to get the data from the source. So I'm a tops-down, bottoms-up analyst, no pun intended, and so. Uh, Basically, I'm surveying manufacturers of raw materials, uh, the cells the module well module assemblers are really on the demand side so module assemblers all the way through and the most important survey I do is towards the- to the demand side the distributors the installers the system integrators the larger developers those people who are buying the modules and actually putting them in the ground so what I do is I compare the supply side information with the demand side information and that is a cross check for me the difference would be I and I- and There are other market. There are really only a a few other pure market research companies out there. I don't know how pure they are because I don't. I'm really paying attention to my own work. Surrounding that are people who take my work and use it to develop an analysis. Also, my clients will often take all the numbers they can find in the world and average them, which in my which really doesn't give you anything, but. Whatever, so uh, the difference is I have to. It has to be all original. My work is all original. It's not taken from another, you know, another source. I don't take a bunch of articles and say, okay, here's what I think.
0: Right. So and and it's very. I mean, somebody's got to do that primary research. Somebody's got to yeah. talk to the manufacturers or has to look at their financial statements as, and you know, assuming that they're correct, and say this is the megawatts that they've produced or sold or whatever. Um, and, and so it's just something that we we really really need. And and um, I'm always happy as a, as an installer just to kind of fill out your annual surveys of how many modules, how many megawatts did you install, kilowatts in my case, or what kind of equipment are you using, and, and um, it's good to see that that data eventually gets aggregated up and somebody's making um, some intelligent uh, insights about that. Well,
1: hopefully they're intelligent, and by the way, thank you for being way more articulate than I was in describing what I do. Well, it's it's <laughs> it's,
0: it's still early, so I've got time to go downhill. So um, <laughs> what what are some of the projects that you're working on now?
1: Well, I did a huge consumer survey uh, this year. Uh, Consumer research is something I had only done spot checks of. So that was, uh, let's just say, a a huge kind of the gulag of market research, digging through all that data. And I developed a control group. I won't get into the nitty-gritty of market research, but that's very important to any market research to have a control group to which to compare everything else. Now, moving forward, I'm continuing, and so please, Barry, help me again, with that consumer research, comparing it every year to the control group for my own learning to use educationally, and also the only groups that are going to get the full report are going to be the people who help me, the installers, system integrators, etc., who help me. It's my goal with this consumer research I don't want to sell it because after having done it, I I know this sounds bizarre because I am a small company, and as you well know, we do have to make money, but I can see all the various ways it could be misused and misconstrued. So I would prefer to use it for educational purposes, that is frame it the way I know it's presented without a bias, and also deliver it to people who help me gather the information and get to the consumers so that everybody can learn from it. So I'm doing that. Um, And I will continue forever with my primary market research of the supply-demand sides of the industry. I'd like going forward to focus more on the reports, et cetera, and article writing and the educational side of things and uh, focus and push the, I guess I have to um, eh, refer to it as consulting, side of my business down to maybe 30 percent of it because I love my work, as you well know. I love my work. I love the history I have that nobody else has of this industry and how it developed. I love being able to look at its behavior, which is really market research. You're looking at behavior over time. Really be able to establish trends, because the past does define us. If we forget, if we don't learn from it, you know, our future is going to continue to be re- repetition of the past, and that certainly is true yeah. of Sol. Well,
0: that's great that you've got Probably a twenty-year spreadsheet going back to it's the nineties. Forty years. Forty. Well, you can't be. It can't be forty years because so you're not that old. Yeah, but, but I
1: have the strategy spreadsheets.
0: Ah, so and so you can just see how it happens, and, exactly. and that's one of the the amazing things to me. And you know, we talked about how how um the, I, I don't know who said it. Lack of knowledge about the history just means that we're we're going to be committed to repeat the same mistakes. But but the, there's the term we use in the industry called the solar coaster, and it's it's just <laughs> kind of like supply and demand. Same thing that happened in the semiconductor industry but people who come into the the solar industry and and it's a terrific industry it's so compelling you have so much growth you know we're like a half a percent market penetration or something but but you just we're gonna continue to have these supply and demand cycles just like they do in memory chips and and you know lots and lots of other industries and I think in solar in particular it's probably accentuated by the fact that it's relatively easy to increase capacity and everybody seems to do what it wants. And then they're like, oh, darn, you know, there's like overcapacity. And now we all lose money for a few years until the capacity catches up. Um, so there's, it's interesting on that perspective. But I'm, I'm, since, since Cinnamon Solar focuses on installing solar on homeowners' rooftops, I'm really fascinated about the consumer research that you were doing. Um, any epiphanies or anything you're learning about consumer reactions to solar on their roof and, and what their trend in thinking is?
1: Well, I would say first and foremost, um, not really epiphanies, is market research should be a blank page, um, an unbiased blank page. The first thing you do is set up your survey instrument and test it to make sure you're asking the right questions, the right way to to reduce your own bias. So I did that. (laughs) I would say the epiphany that, well, again, no epiphanies, but interesting discoveries, I I don't want to insult all your listeners and thus be stoned on the way home in my drive. But it's how little education of the consumer there really is. How little they understand, particularly consumers of leases uh, and buying kilowatt by the kilowatt hour from what's on their roof. And it's not their fault. So, first of all, it's not their fault. Someone along the chain, and it's probably on the sales side, is not educating people as to what is sitting on their roof. In my humble opinion, and I'm betting you agree, if you have a hunk of energy, electricity generating hardware on your roof, you best know something about it. You best understand it. And if you don't, then if your expectation is that someone else is going to solve the problems on the roof, then... I don't know. The whole solar, the whole joy of going solar as a consumer, by the way, is you're owning the means of production. And that's just, that's way too technical. And it's a term we shouldn't use when we're talking to consumers of solar systems. But you are in charge of your future. You own that future. When you give that away and you lease or you buy by the kilowatt hour, you're not in charge of your future, really. Someone else is in charge of the hardware, supposedly, on your roof. Nonetheless, so first of all, it was that we need to educate better second of all and i this is not the, uh, aimed at you and the small and medium installers that are the backbone still of our industry globally globally they are the backbone of our industry you are the face to the customer you're either contracting with these larger companies or you're handle or you're serving your own customers but without you there's really no link to what the consumers think and i'm sure you know that as a, as because you've been in this industry a really a long time too so That with the smaller installers, still that close link, still growing by referral. With the larger and larger company, the further they get away from the customer, less understanding of what that consumer is really thinking. Less, I don't know if it's concern or what, less education of the consumer. The other thing was, oh, a lot of misunderstandings about when the power goes out. If you don't have some sort of a backup system, you're not going to have power. A lot of people still think they're going to have power. So that is a real Big clue that there's little education. The need for monitoring that's standardized, that that consumers understand, that is is easy for them to use. Has a since I come from like at this point decades ago, software has a really good GUI, you know, user interface. I would say also that. There's a there's a wealth now after I did mine I think mine was one of the first real in depth consumer surveys now everybody's doing them they're all over the place luckily I'm not trying to sell this thing it would be, I'd be competing with everybody in the world all with a goal by the way market research should never have a goal it has to be open it has to be a blank page is that uh, satisfaction surveys are very easy to misunderstand here's an example. So, satisfaction scores all in the 70% range. You know, I would say the those buying power from the sister on the roof are the least satisfied.
0: So so def- define that a little bit more buying power from from the sister on the roof because one of the challenges as far as education is that there's a lot of jargon, there's a lot of misunderstanding and and you know, people may Understand how many watts a solar panel is, like they may conceptually understand how many horsepower you have in a car, but they don't know what that means in terms of um, how you know how much money you're going to save. Just like they don't know what that means in terms of how fast your car can accelerate. So, so explain buying the kilowatt versus just uh, owning the system.
1: Okay, so let me go through the three, and then I'll finish up my uh, satisfaction thing, which is really was the epiphany, if there's if that word applies, which I actually don't think it does. But uh, so leasing us buying a system, you own the system, you get a loan. Loan, my opinion, we really, in the United States, since that's where we are, and this is the audience for this broadcast, we need low-interest, federally-backed loans, below 5%, hopefully below 3%. So
0: subsidizing it.
1: Exactly. We need that to help them buy it, to encourage people to buy instead of lease, et cetera. The lease is where, you know, you're you're renting the system on your roof, and you have a monthly payment, and it almost in almost 100% of the cases, I would say 100% of the cases, there's an escalation charge. So... Financially, this may not be great. Uh, those who lease the system are told they're going to have lifetime maintenance. That, I noticed, is a weakness. So then there's buying by the kilowatt hour. That's essentially continuing to rent electricity like you do from the utilities. However, when you really look at it financially, it, it, because at the end of the year you're going to get a true up from the utility, this is what this means. If you have not produced enough to cover your usage, you're going to get a bill for what you, you know, for what the utility provided. If you overproduced, you're going to pay the, the company that put the system on your roof and who you're paying by the kilowatt hour for everything that system produces. And then you're going to get a much smaller amount back from the utility. So that's what that means. Lease And the power purchase agreement, which is the last option, the kilowatt-hour thing, you're continuing to rent electricity. I don't think that's the strength of solar. But anyway, here's what I found. Despite high satisfaction scores, even the satisfied uh, consumers for lease— and for the power purchase agreement buying the kilowatt hour had some fairly scathing things to say. So if you say you're satisfied and then you say that you were very disturbed by the process and you're you're not and you just barely broke even, you're not satisfied. So that's what I meant.
0: So and h- how does that change over? You know, a lot of people are very happy and proud that they put solar on the roof, and you know, first few months it's great. Um, how does it change in terms of the different financing mechanisms, whether you buy or or lease slash PPA over a year or two period. Have you been able to go back to customers that have had it for a while?
1: Well that's the purpose of setting up this control group. I'm gonna I'm gonna cull out a small group and you know, you have to incentivize people to do things. So, I mean, a very small group from here, and I'm going to follow them through the next few years. So essentially the length of time of this this research is about three years. So I'm going to follow them, and then I can continue comparing them over time with the new people that come in. But here's what I saw in this, because the group's roughly zero to one year, so some of them may not actually, and this was this was actually a buying survey. What was their experience with the buying, leasing, etc. cetera process? So zero to one year, some of them didn't have, the system yet. So you go from, oh, we're going to have it installed next month to, I'm really angry, I've been waiting six months, to, oh, I've just had it a year, exactly what you're saying. Wow, it's wonderful. Then you have um, one to five years, and then five years and over. So what I noticed in this in just this original group is that uh, I would say buyers stay pretty steady happy over time. Their satisfaction just seems to just stay. It's up the first year, and then the second group, the one to five, down a little bit, and the and then the, the they forget about it. Well, yeah, it's it's called uh, hedonic ab- adaptation. When you do something that makes you happy, it boosts you, but that lasts about two years because I notice it goes down a little bit in the in the five and over. Now the power purchase guys, uh, that's a, re- a fairly new model. So one to one zero to one. High satisfaction, or the le- uh, about 60% said they were satisfied, even though their comments may not agree. And then 1 to 5 fell off a lot, like 20%. They, they went down. There's still reasonable satisfaction, but boy, did they go down.
0: But they get free maintenance, so why would they be upset?
1: Well, unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. So for the lessees... The major complaint is that though they were promised maintenance, no one comes out to fix it. That was the major complaint. That's what they're saying, not me. Uh, for the power buyers, the major complaint is they're not saving money like they thought they were. One, I'll give you this one example that stuck in my head. So because there are data questions, you know, you fill out my surveys. There's a bunch of data questions, too, not just the others. So I asked, what was your average bill before and after? Average bill before, $98. Average bill after, $168. And I asked this question various ways so that I could get at what they're really averagely paying afterwards, right? So average bill, electricity that they're still buying from the utility, electricity they're buying from the system on the roof, (laughs) $168.98. There's a a problem So they're paying more. They're paying more. And they are also having problems getting the crews to come out. This is because the model requires, unlike so people, when you sell a system, people pay for it. When you lease a system, you need to wait to pay off that hardware just like anyone else investing. So the, the leasing company or the power purchase company is footing the bill, and then they have to wait till they've paid off their hardware. That's pretty simple to understand. And then they've got a huge profit margin. But until they pay off the hardware, it doesn't it – doesn't, uh, how do I put this? This, this is the lingo that, that applies. It doesn't pay them to roll a truck.
0: Right. It's 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 very tricky. When when we sell the system at Cinnamon Solar, we put it on the roof, we get paid. We have zero economic uh, benefit from that customer afterwards. They're not going to pay us anything. We we obviously want to make them happy. And, and, you know, there's maintenance services. If if something under warranty breaks, we fix it, and it's just you know very very quick and expedient. And everything's monitored. But if a tree branch falls on it or something else, you know, there'll there'll be a service charge. Or you know, ten years later, twenty years later, the inverter breaks, there'll be a service. But they're happy. Um, and and you know, we we wash the panels, but we have to charge for that because the truck roll is very expensive. Um, for leasing, I would think that. You know the customers are going to pay the leasing company every month for something, and and if they're not getting the services or the support they would expect, I'd expect some customers to say, "Hey, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to pay you this month because you didn't fix something that you promised to fix."
1: Well, thus the angry comments.
0: Ah, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, well, th- let, um, it's very interesting, kind of what's happening on the consumer side. Let's talk a little bit higher level about the the, the manufacturing this side. What where, what do you see as far as uh, pricing trends for standard, ordinary solar panels. Are they going to flatten out? Are they going to gradually get less expensive? Are prices going to go up again? What's your prognostication there?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, as a market researcher, I have to say, and despite my job does involve forecasting based on past trends, I can tell you that the future is a fiction. And anybody who tells you the future is a fact doesn't understand the definition of, of you know, future <laughs> so, but from what I'm seeing, prices have, they've gone up and there's a lot of reasons for that. And it's region by region. Okay, so if you're in China, buying a module there is really cheap. It, it went, price went down. It's it's, it's, it's way, way cheap. Down. It's yeah. like around the 60 cents right. range, maybe right. even a little less. How about less. here in the U.S.? It, here in the U.S., they went up. Why? Um, and you know why, Barry? Shame on you! You're tempting me to get into this area. Well, so, no, it, I, I,
0: you know, this <laughs> is this is a show for the listeners at, at KLIV. So, um, what, what's what's the main reason why the pricing for solar panels in the U.S. has gone up? I mean, I, I've I've seen that myself, just doing installations. There's in more in the past than years. one reason,
1: but uh, wh- one of the one of the primary reasons are is the tariff situation. Mm-hmm. So there are tariffs, import tariffs, applied to Chinese modules or with or, and Taiwanese modules. And Taiwanese, well, ti- Taiwanese is primarily cells. So ti- Chinese modules, either with Chinese cells or Taiwanese cells inside them. And <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah, so, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And the other, so so that's increased the price here. The other thing that, so, and, and people are buying more from other regions. The other regions know that they have a little more control over price now because the prices for Chinese stuff has gone up, so they've increased the price for these stuff from other areas, those manufacturers can make a better margin. So that's what that's called. So uh, essentially, and we're reaching the end of the ITC. And given the uh, situation now, it likely just gridlock in Congress, the... So the demand, yeah. there's going
0: to be a lot of demand over the next 2015, exactly. 2016. The ITC's over. Everybody's exactly. rushing. Um, h- how do you see the the made-in-the-USA market going? Do you see some good manufacturers coming into the USA?
1: Well, you know, I know there have been announcements, but it takes an awful— uh, re- Module Assembly can come up fairly quickly. Sell, no. They still gonna have to get their cells from somewhere else. It's non-trivial. So you have yeah. a lot of announcements that are really, at this point, just announcements. Again, the future is a fiction. So we'll see how far they get. Right. I don't think we're going to see a gigawatt of New York-based capacity in 2015.
0: Yeah, that's going to take time. Okay, well, we're, we're but speaking of time, we're, we're just about out of time. Um, how can people get in touch with you at SPV Market Research?
1: Well, they can go to my website, which is www.spvmarketresearch.com, and that has all of my information, all of my products, articles. They can go to my blog, which I think is www.paula.com. MSPV.com. This is really hard. It's like a tongue twister. And they can read uh, a lot of my writing. And they can read me on Renewable Energy World and other places. And they
0: can listen to us on the radio here and on the show. That's that. great. All right, great. Well, thanks, Paula. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. If you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast.